You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Awesome. Hey, you can have a seat at this time, and we're going to just jump into some stuff. In your program, you've gotten an outline that you may want to grab a hold of today, because whether you're here for babies and families being dedicated, or you're a single young adult going, I don't have kids, Uh, I don't even, you might be a high schooler and be like, I'm not even thinking about having kids. You might be uh, someone who's like, listen, I've gone all the way through all those phases, And uh, I now have, you know, you might be a grandparent or you might be uh, someone who's like, I've gone all the way through life, but I never really actually had kids. But today is still for you because what I want to talk with you today is how to develop faith in yourself and how to develop faith in anybody you lead. So anybody you lead might be at work, it might be somewhere else. I'm thinking way back and I was like, when did I first have this awakening that I might want to have kids? And Heather and I have three boys. They're now in their 20s. But we had to think way back. And I had to go all the way back to college. I was on a trip in Israel. And the bus that I'm on pulled up to drop off the tour guide. And the tour guide, uh, his wife was sitting in a car. And the kids were in the car. And we just pulled right over on the side of the road next to the car so he could just drive home to his house. And I'm leaning up against the window. I've got my headphones on. I'm in my own little world as as a college student. And I watched the doors of this car open up and these two little boys come running out and jump on their dad. And it was the first time I remember thinking, maybe, maybe someday I'd like to be a parent. But in order to lead kids, that's a daunting task. You have to take a test to get a driver's license, but to be a parent... You don't even need a test. You just show up and and all of a sudden these kids are there and you're like, what do I do with this? And how do I imagine the end and see where kids could eventually be? And what do I want to gain? And what kind of character qualities do I want in the life of a child? But it's not just the life of a child. It's your life. How does faith take root? And how does faith develop If you want to imagine the end of the kind of person you want to be, even in regard to faith in God and faith in Jesus Christ, if you want to imagine the end and say, five years from now, I want to be a better man or a better woman than I am currently right now, you've got to imagine the end. And it's going to take some steps to get there. And one of the beautiful things is that you need a rhythm in your life, and Scripture gives us a rhythm. One of the things that happens so often is this, that parents will say, hey, kids, this is really important. Let's say it's exercise. Exercise is really important. But if you never go in the backyard and throw the ball around, if you never go to the gym, if you never work out, your words say working out is important and exercise is important. But if you never actually do it, if it doesn't make its way into your family and your weekly rhythm, then it gets lost. They don't believe. Kids don't believe what we say. They believe what we do. And so what happens is if we want the disciplines in our life, there's got to be some rhythm in our week. There's got to be elements that are added actually to our family rhythm because time is, it's limited. It's moving fast. When the kids are little, my wife likes to say this. She always said, you know, it was always like, you know, it, the, 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 your parenting is, is comprised of long days and short years. That you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make it through today? Do you want to like throw in the towel? And then snap, you're like, how did they get 16? Like what happened, right? Because time is limited. So we have to be intentional about the time that we have. And the values that you have in your own life are important for you to add in your rhythm. You don't want to know why? Because with you, 
you've got three people that you lead every single day. Doesn't matter if you're single, doesn't matter if you're a kid, doesn't matter if you're an adult. Three people you lead every day. Me, myself, and I. They're always with you. And when you learn to lead yourself in a rhythm that develops faith, you're able to transfer what you've done with yourself and take it toward your children. And you might say, I, I don't even know much about faith. Like I'm brand new to faith. Well, when you got kids, it's a beautiful thing because you begin to learn your faith along with them. You don't have to have it all together or know where it all is. What you need to do is begin to walk the family rhythm that God gives us in scripture. So on a very basic level, everybody has a rhythm and it operates around four natural things that we wake up, we eat, we travel, and we sleep. Those are the four components and God has outlined for us in the book of Deuteronomy a natural family rhythm that you and I can utilize to instill everyday faith in the life of our children. And so if you look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it'll be up on the screen. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So that's to you first, right? Then he transitions. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So it's you first. Now impress them on your children. Well, how? How do I impress them on my children? You talk about them when you sit at home, when you get up, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, last and when you get up. God's instruction to you and me is that we lead ourselves first. And then we lead our kids in a natural family rhythm of faith. And so if you've got an outline today, your first fill in the blank is this, when you wake up. So what does life look like when you wake up? Average single day, what does it look like when you wake up for me? Uh, I love coffee, and honestly, sometimes I just don't feel like a Christian until I've had a cup of coffee. Anybody can relate to that, right? You've seen that shirt that says, but first, coffee, you know. I want to transition that a little bit and say, honestly, when you want to begin to lead yourself, when you want to lead other people, I would encourage you to give God the first of your day. Then instead of saying, but first coffee, that it would say this. It would say, but first God. And so a number of years ago, I, I developed this a practice. Like, I'm just going to read a chapter of the Bible before my feet hit the floor. So I grab my phone. I open the Bible app on my phone. And the first thing I'm going to do is read that. Why? Because if I read the news, I get all stressed out. If I think of everything I've got to do during the day, I can get all stressed out. And then I get up and I begin to transfer that stress to everybody and everything else around me because I didn't honor God with the first of my day. And I would encourage you to be able to do that. Parents, let me ask you. Do you bless or stress your kids in the morning? It's busy time. They come and wake you up or you wake them up and then they're fussing about what they want to wear and then there's all these things going on as you're getting them ready for school or they're the teenager who won't wake up and you're trying to head out the door and you have responsibilities and it's crazy, right? But do you bless your children or stress your children? One of the beautiful things is the morning is one of the great opportunities for you to encourage your kids and set the tone of their day before they go out the door. It's an opportunity for you to do that for them. It's a gift that you give them when they wake up. And it's a time when we can lead them in faith, that they would know that they belong, that they are loved by their heavenly father, that no matter what they face today, whether it's good or bad or downright ugly, that they're going to be all right, that God is with them, that you are there for them. And so you can find encouragement in your life by reading scripture first yourself. 
but God first. Give him the first of your day. Lead yourself when you wake up. The second part of the rhythm is this. It says when you eat. When you eat. Now I know that when you eat, like nowadays, like families eat at all different times and it gets kind of crazy. You don't think of the traditional, you know, sit down family dinner time. And if your family does that, you're actually way ahead of the game. You're able to instill some great things in the life of your family. But whenever you eat, I would encourage you simply to pray when you eat. Now, a lot of people think, well, why do I pray when I eat? And most people think that when you pray, you're making the food that you're about to eat actually more nutritious. I do encourage praying before you eat at McDonald's. Please, Lord. But I want you to know that that's not why people pray before they eat. It's not to make the food more, more nutritious, or it's, it's not to say that if you started eating and then you remembered and then you went to pray, that suddenly you'd be like, oh, that food I already ate, maybe it wasn't so good. And this will be. No, that's not the point. The point is we're adding faith to a rhythm in our day. We eat. And so it's an opportunity for you as a believer to invite God into conversation at that point of your day. You're not like somehow giving grace to the food. What you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm in a natural rhythm of eating every day. And unless I put some markers in my life, unless there's some rhythm in my life, I'm going to probably forget you a lot during the day. And I want you to know that when you pray, when you eat, you're inviting God just into a conversational opportunity during the day. And this is a beautiful time. And in fact, what it is, is whether you have kids or not, it's a great time for you to be able to reflect on faith while you eat. And I want to let you know this. Sometimes, parents, you might think that mealtime is the perfect time for you to correct the life of your kid and to lecture them because they're a captive audience while they're eating. And, and some of your lives are spent around the power struggle between vegetables and dessert. But in this time, it's not the time for you to just, like, criticize or get down on your kids at the mealtime. Jesus actually needed to confront Peter about denying him three times. But in John chapter 21 in the Bible, it describes how they have a meal together. And Jesus could have taken that whole captive audience thing and just corrected Peter in front of everybody, but he didn't. He protected the meal time, and then afterwards, he walked him through a time where he confronted him about his denial, but he also set him on a course to walk in a way that makes a significant impact in his life in the future. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus protected the mealtime, that that should be a time of fellowship. So it's a pretty amazing thing that God would even, by his own model, utilize the time around meals in just informal conversations about faith. Now, let me give you some free advice. If you've got little, little kids, if you're nursing, if you are uh, got little infants, I want to give you some advice because, you know, our world tells you a lot of different rhythms, but this is for free. This is not in your notes, so just this is for free for you. And that's this, that we just found when we had little boys that we would find that we would have happier babies if we got them on this rhythm. Listen to the rhythm. Sleep, then eat, then play. Did you hear that one? sleep, then eat, then play. Why? Because if they are well-rested and well-fed, then they are the happiest kids when they play. And we found that that's just a natural rhythm, but our culture teaches us like you might nurse them to sleep or you might feed them to sleep and they're falling asleep in their food, but there's really a pretty natural rhythm and it actually works with adults, right? When you're hangry and you haven't got enough sleep, eat, and then you're a lot happier, right? So sleep, then eat then play. Because well-rested equals well-fed and equals happy play. Write this down. Number three, when you travel, 
And it said when you walk along the road, and we don't walk so much in our day, but we drive a lot, don't we? And this would be a great time in your life rhythm of your week with your family to have playful and informal interactions when you're driving or you're walking. You might talk to Jesus. You might say, hey, let's all listen to a sermon. You might say, listen to the Bible online. You might ask these kind of questions. Hey, you're going to just start some questions that are like this. You just start these, what do you think questions while you're driving? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And you begin to have informal conversations that direct people toward faith. A lot of you right now in this room, you have kids, and what you can do when you're in the car is you, you take your parent cue. That's an app, or you take the one that we give you on the weekend. You can take a picture of it with your phone, and then when you have opportunity, whether it's at the meal time, whether it's a time when you're stuck in traffic, and you can basically just open that app and be able to be led in an informal conversation that directs your family to talk about faith. Like ask, ask your kids, how do we see God in nature? How do we see God in people? And it's a beautiful thing. When we were little, we would just ask our kids, we would say, oh, look, the moon. What do we say when we see the moon? And our kids would say, good job, God. That's right. We say, good job, God, when we see the moon, right? What are we doing? We're just driving along, the moon is rising, it's an opportunity to have an informal conversation that directs their heart toward faith. Listen, are you not a parent? Well, what do you do when you drive? How do you utilize your drive time? Some of you are working on like self-help and self-improvement and you listen to news radio or you listen to all sorts of things and this is a beautiful time for you to be able to direct your heart toward the Lord, to listen to scripture, to pull up a sermon online, to be able to uh, go to the Sungrove podcast even and listen to a sermon like this again and say, how should I develop a family rhythm to lead myself that eventually would lead my family if God would bless me one with one in the future? The last step in the family rhythm is when you sleep. It's really not when you're asleep. It's when you're going to go to bed. It's when you're going to lie down, right? That you pray. This is a great time to pray with your kids, to listen and have intimate conversations. And here's what we find out as parents. Parents, listen to me. Whatever the bedtime routine is, if you, parents, slow yourself down and make yourself available at that time, more often than not, your kids will open up and have deeper conversations. Deeper than you'll have at the meal table, probably deeper than you'll have in the car. They're gonna open up. It's a more vulnerable, more intimate time, and it's a great time for you to be able to do that. So you wanna be able to get to a point where you can Think about what's your bedtime routine. How about for yourself? What do you fill your mind and your heart with at the time when you lie down to go to sleep? This is a great opportunity for you to refocus your heart back toward God. Because when you want to imagine the end, you basically have to think, how do I get from where I am to where I want to be? How do I get my family from where they are to where they want to be? And so think about it for a moment. What's your weekly rhythm? What's your work schedule? What's your daily routine? How are you ever going to institute faith in that in the life of your kids? For me, I knew if I don't add something into my routine, then it will never happen in the life of my kids. So we started a thing on Saturday mornings called Man Time. And what that was is that we got three boys. So I would go out, Heather would stay at home, and we would go out and take the boys, and we would just have informal conversations about faith, and they could ask me any question they want. And when they were little, all the questions were about Legos and video games. But over the years, it began an opportunity where they just knew I can ask my dad anything. And there's an opportunity to just have a conversation about the things they don't know or what they're thinking about or how faith 
interacts with life. And I would just teach them just something small. But it was just a beautiful time. It's become a sacred time for us in the life of our kids. Here's the interesting thing. When you, if you go to Israel with us on a trip to Israel, to the Holy Land, one of the things you'll find is when you walk through the airport and you get to your hotel room on the outside of every door, you will see a little vial. And inside that vial, there's a wrapped up piece of paper, a little scroll put inside that glass vial on every door that you go through. And the idea behind that is this, that on that little scroll are the words of the Shema. The Shema is this ultimate, famous, beautiful picture for having a family rhythm. And the words of the Shema are what I read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. On those scrolls, in every door, in every hotel room that you go to in Israel, it will say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And that will help you establish a family rhythm because however are you going to get to what you imagine to be the end so it's not just simply a pipe dream, but it's character and values built into the life of your children. We give it up for these guys right here. You guys ready? All right, someone's gonna come take this table away. Thank you, right on.
All right, you guys can pass the Kleenex now, just down the aisle. <laughs> that video has all the feels. It does, it every does. time. Oh my goodness, when we do Baby D, we look back and we're like, didn't we dedicate our boys yesterday? It seemed and like it. And then today, they're in their young 20s, and so time goes fast. It's just a phase, and we don't want to miss it. We don't, and you're wondering what is uh, on these circles up on the stage here, and we want to walk through and talk with you about the heart of our church. We utilize a curriculum called Orange, and we have here for 10 years now at Sun Grove Church, and the idea behind Orange is this, that we want to take, the reason they call it Orange, is we want to take the red of the heart and the home, and we want to take the yellow, which is the light of the goodness of God, and when the two work together to help develop and raise your kid, you get a better result than either red or yellow on its own. And there's a number up on the screen here, or on the, the stage, and it's 936 and what that means is 936 weeks from the time your baby is born, you have 936 weeks until they turn 18 and potentially go off to college. So time is moving. You can't recapture it. It's happening fast. And there's only 936 weeks. You can throw that slide up on the screen. There's only 936 weeks to give your child the foundation that they will build on for the rest of their lives. And when you fast forward through weeks and years, who do you see? And that's what we talk about a little bit when we talk about imagining who your kid would be at the end. And so what do we do? As a church, we want to come alongside the efforts you're already doing as parents to raise your children in the Lord. And at the same time, we want to come alongside you and equip you with how to do that because you have so much more time with your child than your church does. But we think when the two work together, we get better results either way. But we have to understand, what are the phases that kids go through? Heather, what's our first phase? So our first phase is the embrace phase. Yep. And this is the zero to one year. We start there. And this is a time when parents, you're a little on the tired side. I talked with the mom who's dedicating her baby. She's like, yeah. We've been up since four, and that's the nature <laughs> of it. Like, it's tiring, but it's also so rewarding, and it's such a gift. So what our child needs to know in that embrace stage is, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And the goal is to establish trust. That's why when a baby cries, you respond with loving care. It builds and establishes trust. In embrace phase, you meet their physical needs, and that helps to build that foundation. Mm -hmm. So in the one to two, it's the I can do it. And Sarah shared about her little nephew. He was in this phase and he went from I do it myself to I can't do it. And so <laughs> you get these mixed messages, but that's why your toddler's like, no, I will put on my own socks and I will choose my own clothes. Like I can do it myself, mm -hmm. which can lead to a few little battles. I know one wise mom who let her child wear his incredible Hulk uh, Halloween costume for a good year. Nothing. <laughs> else like she had to pry it off to wash it because the stinks so yeah <laughs> okay and it's that it answers that question like am I able that we're actually building competence like look you did that all by yourself and you climbed into your car seat all by yourself and it develops confidence mm -hmm. we want like so often we want for you to understand what do my kids need at each stage and at the same time, your church is going to come alongside you and say, what we do in our classroom is designed to do the same things. Like, we want to be on the same page together to get the same results in the life of your kids. So we move from, from uh, 
Embrace. Amazing. Thank I you. I have one yeah. more quick embrace. Oh, one please, more please embrace. embrace one more okay, time. This is the three to four. So, and oh, you yeah. notice it's a cute little tricycle. Yeah. So they need a little support, those mm -hmm. extra wheels. They think like an artist. And so we yeah. saw that drawing of crayons on the wall. And the question they ask need to know is, am I okay? And they mm -hmm. learn to cultivate self-control. It's critically important, parents, to have no in your vocabulary. Yes. Just like God gave us boundaries and some guidelines and rules, our children, it gives them security to have guidelines and rules. So our culture will be, oh, never say no to your child. But we actually need no in our vocabulary. Yep. Sometimes when they have it in theirs, then they'll be like, no, <laughs> not going to. But it's critically important to have those boundaries. And in these early years, in this embrace stage, we prayed. I learned from a middle school student. So let me, students in the house, we learn from you so much. Middle school student, and she said, my parents prayed over me the fruit of the Spirit every night. And that was before I was a parent. I thought, what a wise thing to do. Mm. So we prayed over our boys the fruit of God's Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And those were some of their first words. We might start with love, and they're like, joy. But <laughs> have the fruit of God's spirit, some of the first words out of your baby's mouth, it's, it's just tender. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And then they move from embrace, and they move to engage. And that's where these little ones, especially kindergarten and first grade, they begin to start thinking like a scientist. And what they want to know is they want to say, give me some concrete evidence that I have what it takes, that I can do these things, that I can establish and do new skills like tie my shoes and begin to learn to read. And so you go through that. At that point, you've only got like 600 weeks and counting. If you're in first grade, if you're second and third grade, you've only got 572 weeks. But this child is still going to be thinking like a scientist. They want and to engage with their world. It's a little messy. It is messy. Yes. It is messy. And what they do is they want to say, do I have what it takes? They want to broaden their abilities. And last, they want to know, do I have friends? So basically in fourth and fifth grade, think of fourth and fifth graders. You're not yet junior hires, but you're also a child. You're not a little kid anymore, but fourth and fifth, they want to say, do I have friends? Do I have people around me? Who can I establish friendships with? And at that point, you've only got 468 weeks. So we want to come alongside and help them engage. Engage. And after engage, we affirm. This is the cheering our children on. And we need this still in our own lives, mm -hmm. someone to cheer us and believe in us. So in sixth grade, your child thinks like an engineer. So the gears are turning. Brain development is on high speed. Hormones are already kicking in. They start kicking in around nine years old, which is wild, but you have to brace yourself and be prepared. <laughs> okay, so they construct new thoughts and learn best by trial and error. So experiments and engineers, they'll start to know and ask, what do I like? And gain some stability, some confidence in who they are becoming. Mm -hmm. Find some things. If adolescence is a challenge, you have fragile people in a hostile environment. But if our children can know something they're good at, yeah. that can really help to sustain them through those years. So that's sixth grade. We also, in the Affirm, a seventh and eighth grade, their personal journey, it's so they can own their own faith and value a faith community. They're starting to ask those identity questions of mm -hmm. who am I and discover their uniqueness, that God did not design us to blend in. He designed us to stand out, and we're all unique and fearfully and wonderfully made. And we pray over our children, especially in these years, Luke 2.52, 
that God would raise our children in wisdom and stature and raise them in favor with man and with God. And that's a prayer for them physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, relationally, occupationally, like build their good and godly character. Yeah. We need to have that formed in us so we can impart to them. And we affirm them that way because you want to be able to affirm that thing. But then what we do is we jump into high school. And high school is a weird age because the reason we do actually our high school youth group on Sundays between services and then Wednesday, we do it Wednesday night. But Sunday between services is because in the high school years, you want to mobilize. You don't want to wait and say, hey, we're just going to somehow like educate you and just talk to you the whole time you're growing up and never have you be the church. We believe that high schoolers are the church of now and we believe that they need to mobilize. And what happens if you're a ninth grader, uh, they'll change all the time. They'll be like, well, this is me now. And then you wait two weeks. Well, this is me now. And what are they doing? They're trying to define themselves. They're looking at this thing. They're saying, hey, how do I'm trying to mobilize myself. But in ninth grade, that's hard. In 10th grade, they're the sophomore. You know what sophomore means, right? Wise fool. They have enough information to be dangerous, but they don't have enough life experience to be wise about it. So at that point in time, they're always going to ask, well, why not? When they're little, they always ask. Why? Right? But when they get older, they get 10th grade, they're like, well, why not? Well, why not? Why not? Why not? And they just, you know, you, you've heard it. You understand, right? That's what happens. But we want to mobilize them. We want to mobilize them so they understand the why behind what they do. And then when they hit 11th grade, there's a little less drama. Thank you, Lord. A little less drama at that point. But at the same time, there's a lot more stress. There's a lot of demands Huge on our demands. students with yeah. academics and activities. And, and 11th grade is the year that so often is so packed. And AP during that courses, time, yeah, all during, the during that time, you really want to help them and come alongside and encourage them at that time. And then 12th grade is what's next. They're beginning to think again, like, I'm going to be mobilized. What is next in my life? And all this is intended for what we do here at church, to come alongside you as parents and to equip you parents with parent cue all the way through the parenting of your child. And even if you're a grandparent, the grandparenting of your grandkids. So in a way that helps them nurture faith. Why? Because we want to imagine the end. What do you want your son or daughter to look like when it becomes time for them to mobilize mm -hmm. and move out? We're what so grateful for the like? orange resources. We took a parenting yep. class when our boys were little, which helped us to have a strategy. But the orange resources show right where our children are developmentally. And yes. what to be expecting, like just around the corner, might come a little tension as your child's becoming more independent. But some of that tension is actually natural and healthy. Mm -hmm. Say a kite won't fly without some tension. Or a super soaker won't soak without some tension. Correct. And so some of that parenting tension is expected and natural. And when it hits, whether they're two and why, or whether they're a teenager and why not, it can actually be a good thing to build their independence. Our students, give a wave if you're in our student ministry. Our students, so often they are <laughs> celebrating and serving. So mm -hmm. if you're our parent and you take your child to a class and you entrust them to the care of a, a high schooler or a middle schooler, they are some of our best volunteers to mm -hmm. love. Like we have toddler whisperers in our midst, we in do. our youth group. And that's developing our leadership and service in our students as they get to love on the next generation. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.